hear it, but to be able to see it. Wasn't that super? Now that's what we're all about today, seeing the Word of God as He came to live for us. Open your Bibles with me to John chapter 1. Uh, this Christmas season, during the month of December, I've been talking to you from the prologue of John's Gospel. This passage conveys the deep truths related to the Incarnation. That is about God coming from heaven in the person of Jesus Christ to make it possible for people like me and you to go to heaven. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father except that He come through me. And my single goal for this series of sermons has been, I want you to see Jesus for who He really is. So, if you are a believer, I want you to adore Him and to love Him and to embrace Him and treasure Him more than you ever have before in your life. And if you are here today and you're not a believer, I would like for you to be moved to the very core of your being so that you would receive God's gift to you. Incidentally, that's the motivation behind the Apostle John as he wrote the Gospel of John. He said in John chapter 20, verse 31, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in His name. So here's what we have learned from John chapter 1, the month of December. We have learned that Jesus brings life to the world and Jesus is the light of the world. Today we learn also that Jesus brings God's love. You see, the incarnation means that God moved into our neighborhood in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. He had to become fully human in order to fully demonstrate God's love to us. When Jesus did that, when He became flesh and dwelt among us and died for us, we learned some amazing truths, not only about God, but about Jesus as well. That brings us to John chapter 1, verse 14. Listen to this word as I read it to you from the New King James Version. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for He was before me. And of His fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Heavenly Father, I love You and I thank You for this great season of the year. I thank You for this awesome day. And I pray, dear Lord, that as I try to speak on the outside, You would speak on the inside of every heart. Help us to not only see and hear, but feel and experience your great love today. Dear Lord, I love you and I lift you up and I pray that you would be exalted. And as we do that, I pray that you would draw people to yourself as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
This is a magnificent piece of literature, John chapter 1, verse 14. It, it is an awesome doctrinal statement. This is some deep theology about the incarnation or the coming of God in flesh. And, and I really, I, I wish I could do it justice, but I don't think, I don't think a human vessel can do this passage justice today. My only prayer is this, that you would sense and see and feel for yourself how much God really loves you today. Here's an amazing truth that we find in John 1.14. The God who was once invisible has now become visible. It says in verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. There is something to be said of seeing something awesome for the first time, isn't there? I, I read about, I heard about, I saw pictures of the Grand Canyon. But I didn't really see the Grand Canyon until I stood there at the edge of it. And I saw the Grand Canyon with my own eyes. The God who had been invisible has now become visible to us. How did He do that? Well, He did that be, by becoming human flesh. Verse 14, And the Word, that is God Himself, the Son of God, became flesh and He dwelt among us. When it says that the Word, Jesus, dwelt among us, the phrase literally means He tinted among us. Or the actual word is tabernacle. That is, Jesus tabernacled amongst us. In the Old Testament, the worship of God's people as they traveled throughout the wilderness revolved around that tent or that tabernacle. It was at the tent of meeting or the tabernacle that God would meet with His people. Well, God set up His tent, if you will, in our own campground. To, to even make it more specific, this is what God did for you. God moved into your neighborhood. And the way He did that was that He took on human flesh. God left heaven, became a man, and came to earth. Now, let me tell you something, church. It was imperative for the Word, that is the Son of God, to take on human flesh. I understand from reading the Word of God, especially in the book of Hebrews, that one of the reasons He did that was so that He could identify with us. In all ways. So no matter what you're going through in life, mark it down. Jesus has experienced that. Temptation, He's felt the heavy sting of it. Pain, He's known it. Hard work, He did it. Having people abandon Him or lose love, He experienced that. Every single emotion that you can go through in life, Jesus experienced it. He lived the life of a human to identify with us. But there is a greater reason that Jesus became flesh. The purpose of Him coming to earth in the form of a human was to accomplish redemption for us. Jesus died on the cross in human flesh, and in so doing, He crucified sin. Now, the big difference about Jesus was His Spirit. You see, the difference between Christ and us is that His tent was God Himself. Our tent, your tent, is the Spirit of man. 
And that's what John goes on to tell us. God not only became visible in human flesh, He did it with heavenly glory. Jesus was fully man, fully God at the same time. Now try to wrap your mind around that, all right? That is a difficult concept for us to understand, but it is the truth of the gospel. He was fully man, fully God at the same time. Let me try to illustrate that to you. Have you ever been camping at a campground where there were a bunch of tents? Uh, we call it tent camping. Have you ever been tent camping? All right. You know what happens at a tent camp. You're, you're there at your campsite and somebody over here is in their tent. They have a lantern or a light glowing. And what does it do? It makes their tent glow eh, from the inside out. You know what I'm talking about? If you've never been tent camping, you, you watch TV, there's that... Pace Picante commercial, you know? And uh, the newest one out is, is the, the cowboy from New York City. I don't know. They don't make cowboys. Anyway, he, he goes up to his tent, and it's like a three-story tent, you know? And it's glowing from the inside out. You, you got that picture? Yeah, we're talking about a glowing tent. Well, there was something glowing inside of the tent of Jesus' human flesh. And what was it? It was His heavenly glory. Verse 14, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, God's glory became visible in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, we see the glory of God manifesting itself in many different ways. The people of Israel saw the glory of God manifested and that pillar of cloud by day that they would follow and it would lead them through the wilderness. At night, that pillar became a pillar of fire. That was the glory of God manifested so that they knew the presence of God. The glory of God also manifested itself in the temple and in the tabernacle. But those again were not fully sufficient to reveal all of the glory of God. But God took care of that by sending His Son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3 says, The Son, Jesus, is the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. 2 Corinthians 4.6, Paul said, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of His Son, Jesus Christ. So, we beheld His glory, the glory of God Himself, full of grace and truth. Now, I want, to, I want you to grab that grace and truth because John couples it. He says it twice, verse 14 and 17 talking about grace and truth full of Jesus Christ. We're going to come back to that, but right now let's jump down to verse 18 where he says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Okay, so Jesus came to earth, why? To declare the Father to us. Now, the word declared there is the the word from which we get our English word, exegesis. That's a fun word to say. Say it with me. Exegesis. It's not a word that you go around saying much every day, and, and you might not be familiar with that word, but you have experienced exegesis. In fact, every time you come to church, 
and hear a preacher like me taking a passage of Scripture and preaching from that passage, that's what we are doing. We are exegeting the Word of God. It simply means to explain. Okay, That's what I'm doing right now. I'm exegeting John 1, 14 through 18. I am explaining to you this Word. And you know what? The Bible says that's exactly what Jesus did when He came to earth. He exegeted the Father. He explained to us who God is. So, as the people of the New Testament days watched and heard Jesus, they could say, oh, that's what God is like. And for us today, when we read about Jesus in the Bible, and we experience the new life that Jesus alone can give us, then we can say, huh, that's what God is like. Because that's who He is. He is representing to us God. The God of the Bible revealed Himself by coming in person. And you might wonder, well, why did He do that? Why, why did Jesus become flesh? Why did God do it that way? Well, I think it's very simple, and this passage goes on to explain it to us. It's because God is love, isn't it? God is love. And love manifests itself in relationships, doesn't it? So point number two, the God who is now visible wants to be personal. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. Look at verse 16. And of His fullness we have all received, grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. Now we're told here in verse 17 about how God has personally revealed Himself. And it's in two ways. God was at first revealed through the law. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. That is through the law, that is the Ten Commandments, God revealed Himself to us. You read the Ten Commandments, you're reading about God. You're understanding who God is and what God values. What are His characteristics, His morality, His ethics? We see God in the Ten Commandments. So the law served at least two purposes. First of all, it served to show us what God is like. I read the law, the Ten Commandments, I understand what God is like and what God values. But secondly, the law was given to show us how far short we come in measuring up to what God is like. In fact, the law is called the, the yardstick or the ruler. Meaning that we must measure ourselves according to the law. And guess what? On your own and of yourself, you can never measure up to that standard. No matter how good we try to be, we just never can quite make it. In fact, here's, here's the level up here. It's about as far as I can reach. Here's the, God, the standard God has given us in the Ten Commandments. Doing your best, maybe you're down <laughs> Really, we're about down there doing our best. We can just never measure up. And that's why it was necessary for God in the fullness of time to reveal Himself in a different way. And so this time, He came in the form of a person. One of my favorite Christmas passages is Galatians 4, 4 and 5. 
You say, well, Brother Will, that's not about the nativity. Well, it is really. Here's what it says. But when the fullness of the time had come, when God, in His infinite wisdom, said, now's the time, this is what He did. He sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those of us who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption of sons. That is something to say hallelujah about right there. Amen? That's what God has done for us. Under the law, we were doomed. But in the fullness of the time, God provided salvation for us. Hallelujah. So, now He has been revealed in grace and truth. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Again, that's the second time that John has said that. He said it in verse 14, that Jesus is grace and truth. He says in verse 17, grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. So grace and truth must be really important. Let's talk about the two. First, truth. What is truth? Well, truth is reality. When something is true, it's the same as saying that is real. It's not a sham. It's not a fake. It's not a deception. It's real. It's the way it really is. It is truth. And church, please listen to me. No matter what our world says, there is such a thing as absolute truth. It's this truth. It's God's Word. So what happened? Jesus became that truth for us. Everything about God is truth. And so it stands to reason if the invisible God became visible and personal through Jesus Christ, it would seem to, to us that Jesus would be God's representation of truth. And He is. What is the testimony Jesus gave of Himself? I am the way, the truth and the life. So that's truth. What about grace? What is grace? Well, grace is God's favor and kindness given to us when we don't deserve it and can't earn it on our own and certainly can't get along without it. Here's what I know about myself. The only way I can accomplish anything God has given me to do is through His grace. It's the only way. Just through His grace. And so it says in verse 14 that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Get that? Jesus was full of grace and truth. Now, let me tell you, we're full of something, but I can't say we're always full of grace and truth. Really, when we possess grace and truth in relationship, it's generally out of balance. Okay? It really is. In fact, I don't know a single person who perfectly balances grace and truth in dealing with other people. We tend to lean to one side or the other. For example, let me tell you what I mean. Some of us are grace people. We are prone to give people the benefit of the doubt. We forgive easily. We give second chances and third chances. 
And we, we like to see the good in people and not the bad. And, that, and that's wonderful. But you know what? In so doing, sometimes we let things slide that no, don't need to be sliding. And we don't confront people like we should confront them with the truth. Okay? You know people like that. Okay? Uh, as I analyzed this and, and tried to look at myself, I'm, I'm thinking, Will, you're more of a grace person than a truth person because you really don't like confrontations. And I don't. I really don't like confrontations. I like I like I like to give people a second and third chance and you know that's that's wonderful and that's great but sometimes when I need to put my foot down and confront people I just I have a hard time doing that because I lean on the grace side. Then I know a lot of people who are truth people and I admire truth people. Sometimes I wish I was wish I was more of of this kind of a person because here's what these people are. They know the truth and they hold forth to the truth and they hold other people accountable to the truth this is the way it is it's black and white there's no gray area you do it right or wrong yeah but then what happens when people fall short what happens when people mess up well if you are truly a truth person you know what you say, that's too bad No second chances. No do-overs. <laughs> you know? I heard about a man whose wife brought home a monkey from the pet store. She wanted this monkey to live in the house, and he didn't want the monkey in the house, so he objected. He said, where's that monkey going to eat? She said, at our table. He said, where's that monkey going to sleep? She said, in our bed. He said, well, what about the odor? She said, I got used to you. I guess he can too. She was strong on truth. Really strong on truth, but not on grace. So you know what? It, it is even more amazing when we look at this verse and it says that Jesus was full, completely full of both grace and truth. He perfectly balances what we find impossible to balance, grace and truth. And in verse 16 it says, And of His fullness we have all received and grace for grace. What an amazing statement. Just think of His fullness. The Lord Jesus Christ is totally self-sufficient because He is God. He needs nothing from anyone or anything else to be full. But you know what? We're not like that, are we? We're totally different. We don't have fullness in and of ourselves. We have to receive it. Yet, this Fullness is available to all of us here today. We have all received. You know why we've received it? Because God gave it. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. And church, when we drink from the fullness of Christ, here's what we receive. Grace. That's what it says. Grace for grace. Blessing for blessing. Really, grace for grace literally means grace in exchange for grace. In other words, you can ne never exhaust God's grace. So, when you come to God repentant of your sins, you do not receive what you deserve. Amen for that. What we get is grace. 
So this invisible God has become visible so that He can have a personal relationship with you. That, that's what the message of John 1 is about. That, that's why God came. That's the incarnation. The invisible God has become visible to have a relationship with you. But you know what? It's one thing to be visible. It's another thing to be personal. I first saw her in the spring of 1981. I was a student at Hillsdale College, and uh, we had our annual on-campus days that spring. And uh, she showed up on campus. She was there with her best friend, Greta, uh, her sister, Candy, and their mothers. They, they came to visit the campus of Hillsdale. Greta was interested in, in coming, and I think Miss Angie just went along for the ride. Her sister came. And I met her and her two friends, her sister and her friend. And I can honestly remember exactly what I thought when I saw these three girls from Corning, Arkansas. I, again, I was, I was, uh, I guess I would have been a sophomore in college at the time. I saw these three girls. And here's what I thought, Jason. I thought, they make them pretty cute in Corning. They make them cute in Corning. They, they were all good looking girls. Well, that summer it came and went and the fall semester rolled around in 1981. I went back to Hillsdale. I was a junior now and Guess who showed up? Little Miss Angie Archer. Really, she didn't want to come to Hillsdale. That wasn't her choice. Uh, her friend, her good friend Greta Richards, decided to, to go to Hillsdale, and Angie just came because, you know, she just went. I don't know. It was God leading you. God had, God had a perfect will for her life. That just came to me right then. I just said that. Now I want to tell you something. I, I messed this story up really bad in the first service. I dug myself in a hole that I cannot get out of, and I'm going to try my best not to do that this, this second service, all right? So here, here Angie was. She was on campus, about 200 students. And so I would see her almost every day. I'd run into her, whether it be in the cafeteria or on the sidewalk or where I would visibly see her. But she didn't pay any interest in me, and honestly, I didn't pay too much interest in her. In fact, truth of the matter is, I dated her friend. What was her name? I don't I don't even remember. Somebody, I don't know. Things thumped along that semester into the spring semester. I don't remember exactly what month it was. Maybe maybe late March, 1st of April, but I'll never, Gary, I'll never forget the day it happened. A bunch of girls were out on the softball field having an intramural game of softball. There she was. Look, as that was back in the day before girls could wear shorts at Hillsdale. So she had on these jeans, but she had them rolled up. About, about to right there. She had, This has been 33 years ago, but she had on this white shirt with red sleeves that came down to about right there, but they were pulled up. She had her mitt on. She was out there, short stop. They were hitting her balls, and she was... 
getting everybody out. And I don't, I, before then she had been visible to me, but something happened that day as I saw that bead of sweat drop off of her brow. I no longer thought of her as being cute. I said to myself, she's pretty. And I didn't waste any time. Right after that game was over with, I just marched right up to her and I said, Hey, Angie, let's go get a Coke. And so I got her in my white pickup truck and we went into Moore, Oklahoma, and I bought her a Coke and we spent that whole afternoon and evening talking and getting to know each other. And it happened. Right there. I fell in love. And ever since, it took her, hey Jason, listen, it took her a lot longer, alright? It did. It took, she's, it, she's still working on it, alright? Now, up until then, Angie Archer had existed. She had lived for 18 years. She was even visible to me for about a year. But then all of a sudden, she became personal to me. I fell in love with her. She became the most important human in my life. You know, I think that's the way it is with a lot of you. A lot of you know about God. You've heard about God. You've been to church. You've heard sermons. Maybe you've even read the Bible yourself. You know a lot of things about God. But you don't really know Him. You've not allowed Him to become personal in your life. You've not allowed His love to come into your heart and change you from the inside out. And more than anything else today, that's what He wants with you. A personal relationship. The God of the universe wants to have a relationship with you. Heavenly Father, I pray that right now as Your Spirit speaks to our hearts, we would receive the gift. Lord, if there's someone in this room who has never accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that during this time of prayer, they would come and receive the gift of God. Lord, if there is a Christian here today that's uh, kind of grown cold in their relationship with You, I pray that today they would realize that Jesus came to give light and life and love. And I pray that we would receive that in our hearts today and get, get back on fire for You, Lord, to draw close to You and have a real relationship with you. Lord, there are others in this room that just need to come and pray. There's problems in their life. They're facing difficulties. They need answers and they can't find the right answer. I pray that they would come to the God of grace and truth and receive guidance. And then, dear Lord, for the rest of us, may we use this time to just come and say thank you that great gift. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. These guys are going to sing. Would you come and pray?